Well, Happy New Year, Noon. How are you guys doing? Good? Good? Oh, I hope so. I hope it's amazing. I hope you've had an amazing week and your year started out phenomenally. Mine has until last night. And then I had to go to LAX to drop my son off. And I learned something, though. I learned something theological last night. That's where the devil lives, is LAX, man. I can't. Other, other airports may have demons, but the devil lives in LAX. And... Uh, don't love that place at all. So anyway, um, but the good news is my son did make it back. He flew back to Chattanooga and um, our lead in Chattanooga picked him up at the airport and took him to church. And he sent me a picture of him watching me on the screen. And he was like, I don't, I'm never going to get used to this. I just saw you. And I was like, well, at least you're at church. They had donuts there. So I think that was part of the reason he went. Um, anyway, no, we're glad he's there. And I got to tell you, um, I'm really excited about this new series, Lovewell of Theology. And I hope you like that bumper. I think that's such an incredibly sweet bumper. That featured um, William Johnson, Elder William Johnson, who's a member here of the church. He's often in the noon service. I don't know if he's here today. He's here? Awesome. And uh, he writes books by hands. There he is. Hello, Bill. It's good to see you. He writes books by hand. And so this graphic is his handwriting talking about Lovewell uh, theology, which is phenomenal. So thank you, Bill. And we'll hopefully be hearing more from him later on in our series. Um, but we, we talk about Lovewell a lot, and we talk about the practicalities of Lovewell, like how you love well. We, we do that, and we bid you love well every single week um, as you leave. This series is a little bit different. There's some of that, of course, but we want to get into the theology behind, the scripture behind why we are a community that loves well and wants to love well. But we got to do a little theological work to begin with. The, the, the hermeneutic or the way that we choose to do theology always begins in one place, and it begins with Christology, right? It begins with us understanding who Jesus is, what Jesus did, why it matters, how Jesus is God, 100% fully human, 100% fully divine. His divinity was quiescent, we say. It was shrouded, yet he lived his life as a human being. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, all of that. Christology is the very first thing as a Christian church you have to figure out and you have to think and you have to go back to again and again because we believe that Jesus is the center and circumference of our faith. He is the message and the messenger. He is all. And so that's where it begins. Once we begin to have an understanding of who Jesus is, and that's a lifelong journey, you're going to continually go back to who Jesus is. Um, some people say, you know, you, you, you meet Jesus first and then let's get on to the weightier things. And I just don't think anything is heavier and anything is more important than our Christology. All heresy is, is misunderstanding or misbelief about Jesus. All heresy stems from Christological heresy. And so we have to always work on our Christology. But as we do that, one of the things it does is it points us towards our missiology, right? The work or the liturgy of the people that is given to us to do. It begins with clarifying our work, which in turn gives us a trajectory for our community, when we make these declarative statements, statements such as what we'll be dealing with today, Crosswalk will be a church of belonging. When we make these declarative statements, what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of codify and live out or structure our understanding of what Jesus wants us to be, who Jesus is, what he wants us to be, and, and that it comes from somewhere, right? Which is what we're going to get into today. But that 
Christology that points us to a strong missiology then defines our ecclesiology, right? What kind of community we are going to be. This is theology applied to the community. It is the living, breathing, theological expression of what we believe about Christ and what God would have us do in the world. And so this is how we're doing this work, this, um, this series, and I'm really excited about it. And our first end statement, we call it, our first value statement about Crosswalk as we talk about our ecclesiology that comes from our missiology, that comes from our Christology, is that Crosswalk will be a community of belonging. I think this is the most powerful end statement, and you've heard me speak on it before. But why would we be this type of community? How does this express who God is? And not every community is a community of belonging. I think the first thing I remember taping up to my wall, the first, because you know kids will do that sometimes, they'll put messages for their parents or whatever. The first one I ever put up for my wall was this, no girls allowed, (laughs) right? Because I'm a younger brother. And I have my friends over, my buddy Eric, my buddy Greg, and I think my cousin may have been over, Andy, and we were hanging out, and my sister had some friends over, and they were just bugging us. So we decided we were creating a club, the No Girls Allowed Club, right? Many of us have been in that club, right? Especially if you have older sisters, you've been in that club. And so we put this on the wall, we put this on the, on the door, and we close the door, and we're like, this is great. This is not a community of belonging, friends. This is an exclusive community, a community that does not allow girls and my sister and her friends in particular. Well, as you know, um, older sisters do what they want. And so they saw that, and they thought it would be a great idea to break down the door, essentially. That's how I remember it. Um, break down the door, come and sit on my bed. We had to leave the house to stay in our club. We thought it was no girls allowed. Like they just broke in. It was horrible. And I wonder where that came from, right? Their need to be there. This is a stretch, I know. But maybe it came from this human desire that we all have to belong. We all long to belong. Before food, before shelter, nothing promotes human flourishing like having a people and a place of belonging. In fact, research confirms that income level, marriage and children, and perceived security all pale in comparison to belonging in promoting sustained happiness. We simply long to belong. And God knows that we long to belong and has always been trying to create places of belonging. In fact, the church is God's place. The church is God's creation to place the lonely in families. Psalm 68, 6, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy, right? The church is God's creation to do that, to create communities of belonging. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about belonging. We're not talking about fitting in. Fitting in is different. Fitting in is significantly different. In fact, Brene Brown, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, says this, the innate human desire to be a part of something larger than us is within all of us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but are often barriers to it. You see, fitting in is different. Belonging goes beyond fitting in. Do you remember being a teenager? Some of you are teenagers. And there's this, there's this pressure at times to fit in, 
And you want to fit in, but you also want to stand out. So you're in this constant struggle of figuring out how you stand out enough that people notice you, but not so much that people notice you. Same thing can be happened in a group full of Seventh-day Adventists who worship, just so you know. Right? Same thing. Same sort of pressure. There's this, like, more charismatic group of us that are like, yeah. And then there's others who grew up in maybe different kind of churches who are like, eh, maybe if I do this, you know. Like, you want to be part of that, but you don't want to be so much a part of that that people look at you and you're not sure. It's actually one of the reasons why we keep the music at the level that we do. Because singing is the same way. You want to sing, but you don't want to sing so much that you stand out. So if the music is too loud, you're good. But if it's too loud, you won't even sing at all because it's too much. So if it's, but if it's too quiet, you won't sing either because you couldn't imagine somebody hearing you. So we're constantly rolling that razor thin line of they're singing now. Don't get louder. Keep it down. Okay, no, beef it up a little bit. Like, because we want to fit in. Right? We want to fit in. We want to, we, want, we want to belong, but we'll settle for fitting in. So what does Scripture say about belonging? The first thing Scripture says about belonging is simply this. We belong to God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are brought into the community of God as a grace. Right? In fact, Jesus said it this way. Suffer the little children. Bring the little children to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. So this tells us something. Theologically, this tells us that the, the life of Christian church, right, the life of the community is not a meritocracy. You know how we know this? Children don't do anything. I mean, sometimes they eventually do something. But there's, like, if you've had kids, you know, you look at that thing, and after a few months, you're like, what's the ROI on this? What's the return on this investment? Right? Now, now half of you are like, mm, he's not a good dad. <laughs> True. No, you, kids, Jesus loved the little kids because they're little, we love the little kids because they're little kids. Right? The picture of that kid with his fists up in the air, come on. We all love that kid. God loves us, not because of what you've done, not because you're so great at what you do, not because you figured it out. God loves you because he decided to love you. He decided that you belong to him. Not because of anything you've done. But the truth is this, if we belong to God, we belong to Jesus because everything that is the Father's is the son's inheritance. John 16, 15, all that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So what is God's belongs to Jesus given through the Holy Spirit? And Romans 1, 6 reminds us these communities are not exclusive communities. Paul says this, and you are included among the Gentiles who've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. He was writing to a church in Rome that had Gentiles and it had Jews. So it said, hey, this is not an exclusive belonging for a certain group that was born at the right time to the right people. This is for everyone who is willing to accept the grace of Jesus Christ. It means there are no boundaries. You don't belong because you were born into it. You belong because God has included you in his salvific work. You belong because of God, and you belong to God. There, there's an antithesis to this, right? Which is, that means we don't belong to the world anymore. It means the world has no hold over us. We literally no longer conform to that world. And by the way, this is not just the process of things in the world. It is the heart of which you do things. 
right? We sometimes don't conform to the world by even though we're doing the exact same thing that we normally had done, we were given new hearts, we were given new intention, we were given new process for it. Right? Sometimes we see conforming to the world as our churches should look so different they don't make sense to the world anymore. I don't believe that, obviously. It's not about the process nearly as much as it is about the heart in which we do things. This is really important for us to understand. John 15, 19 says it this way, the world would love you as its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. But you know what? The desire to fit in sometimes brings us back to the world for its ownership and its belonging and its community. And for some reason, it always falls short. I mean, you can belong to any type of community, literally any type of community via the internet at this point. You know, I've told you before over the years of my obsession with land cruisers, Toyota land cruisers, and there was a whole community that welcomed me in and they loved me as long as I was working on a land cruiser. And then I sold my land cruisers and one guy hit me up in the forum was like, hey, you haven't been posting very much anymore. I was like, oh, I sold my land cruiser. And he just said, goodbye. Good. That was it. Brutal. First Thessalonians 5.5, 5, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. This is that age-old theme we see coming out in Scripture again and again of darkness and light. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us live in the light, be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing our helmet of the confidence of our salvation. We're able to live this way. We're able to belong to God, not because of what we've done, but because of the light that was given to us through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we can be disciplined in the way that we live in that life and not fall back into previous ownership because of the community. Because the truth is, if we belong to God and we belong to Jesus and we no longer belong to this world, we then belong to one another. To belong to God is to belong to one another who belong to God as well. Belonging to God is our deepest need. And yet God himself calls creation and life without companionship not good. He says it in Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper, a help meet who is just right, who completes, who is equal to. But let's talk about scale for a moment, okay? Because belonging to one another is great, but belonging to one another is very difficult when you talk about a scale of this size. Today we'll have 1,100 people at church. You can't empathize with 1,100 people. You won't even see 1,100 people. Right, And you put our, our, our other communities together and the people who watch online, there's thousands of people who are part of our community that we call a community of belonging. But how in the world, do, I mean, do you really, like if we belong to one another, do we belong to everyone here? Because there's a bunch of people here you don't know. The truth is this, human empathy can really only stretch to about 150 people. It's kind of our tribal evolution, if you will. We can really only empathize or have empathy for about 150 people. This is just a sociological reality. So we need to belong to more than just the brand crosswalk. We need to belong to the community macro, but we also need to belong to a micro community within the larger community. 
or else you will not have that sense of belonging. You will not feel as if you're a part of this, right? See, it works like this, and I'm gonna borrow from Andy Crouch and his kind of two-by-two scale here, but this is sort of the way it works, right? A lot of times we feel rejection, which is not being known and not being loved. And, and I would hate for this to happen in any community that we ran. I would hate for this to happen in any church that you're not even known. And I gotta tell you, I don't think people feel a lot of this known, not loved. I hope people don't feel a lot of this in church, rejection. I hope that they feel not that. To be ignored and rejected is really difficult here, I think. Because, I mean, I've had people who said, you know, I've come to your church and I've, no one's ever talked to me. And I'm like, how did you get in? <laughs> like legitimately, we have got bouncers on every door. No, we don't call them that. Um, they're not bouncers. They're not, that's not, they're greeters. It's different, it's different. We've got somebody who's going to say hello to you. You're not going to be ignored. So I hope that one never happens. I really hope you don't feel like somebody has talked to you and then didn't want you here. I hope that really hasn't happened. Um, I think a lot of us settle for fitting in where we're not really known, but we feel kind of okay. And, and I'll tell you what, you want to know? This is consumer church. You know that? This is consumer church. You come in, you get known, you sit here. You consume. Listen, I go to movies. Those people are not my community. They're just the people in the seats next to me. And the only time I have any interaction with them is twofold. Number one, when I drop my phone on those big chairs. Have you done that? It's impossible to find your phone. Number two, when the movie's really good and it ends and you look and you go, That's not community, that's consumption, right? And I think we, we, will, we will settle for this coming to church week after week after week after week and not being committed, not being you know, connected. I think we'll settle for this because it feels okay. And this is what we have in the majority of our life, just fitting in. But we say we're a community of belonging. That means that you're known and you're loved, right? You're known and you're loved, so if nobody knows you here, you've got to ask the question, how do I belong? Right? How do I belong? And in the view of the biblical vision for belonging that God gives us, that you are known and that you are loved, there's a few steps. Now, one of the things is this. Church kind of used to run on this platform. And, and we even did evangelism this way, right? First, you believe like us. Then you behave like us, and then you will belong to us. This is how we did, this is why you get a flyer in the mail that said, we're going to, secrets revealed. We're going to tell you everything we know, because you don't know it yet. But if you come to church, then you're going to know it, and then you'll be part of us, right? That's how it sort of functioned. And it was very, it was very, um, cerebral, I guess you could say, it was very knowledge-based. Believe like us. Let us convince you that we're right. Then you, can be, then, you, then you act like us and behave like us and believe like us, and then you can be part of us. The problem is Crosswalk said it's a community of belonging, and I believe that that's what it says to us in Scripture. We're a community of belonging. That means if you don't believe like us, you still belong to us. If you walk in those doors, you're family. 
and we have to treat you as such. Right? That's really important. And so the first way that we belong is belonging. And now I, I do hope we get to belief. And just so you know, we've had people who've come to church for, for months and for years who don't necessarily believe the same way we do. And we can say in one hand, oh, that's horrible. You never got them to belief. On the other hand, I think we could probably say that's amazing that somebody who doesn't believe that way still feels a sense of belonging, still feels like this is home. I mean, it takes a lot to sit through all that music singing songs to someone you don't believe in. Right? But maybe, maybe listen, the music's good. I'm, I'm down for it either way. Do I, hope, do I hope everyone who walks in here believes eventually? Yeah, of course I do. We want you to believe because of the incredible security and grace and belonging that is experienced when we understand how much we belong to God and what God has done for us. And, and you know what? I'll tell you this. Belief more often follows belonging than does belonging follow belief. But one of the things you got to do to feel like you belong is stay. There are many causes for the lack of belonging in American culture and certainly in American church, but chief among those reasons is transience. You just don't stay places very long. Part of this is because of a consumer-based model, right? Oh, I'm not getting what I need, I'm going to go. But it's especially hard in a place where there's so many churches in the area. Because I've known people who have lived in this community for years and have gone to every single church and don't feel like they belong to any of them. And that's tragic. So you got to stay. Sometimes you got to stay. But you have to do a couple other things too. One is that you have to move towards others. Our natural response is to withdraw from others when we feel uncomfortable or when we feel like we don't belong. We back up. Even our body language shows us this. But see, we have to move towards one another if we're going to create communities of belonging. We have to step in and offer support and help and resources as much as possible and can. When others lack a place to belong, well, maybe you need to invite them into your place of belonging. And maybe you have to create that space. Because when you begin to be belonging, to create those spaces of belonging, you are creating holy spaces in people's lives. It is holy work that you've been called to, sacred work. And that work has been done for you by God. You are reflecting who God has been for you. That is evangelism. That is testimony. That is witness. Just by creating places where people belong in your life. And this is this final step sort of, you know, goes along with the great paradoxes of Christianity. If you want real life, you have to give yours away. If you want to find yourself, you got to lose yourself in Jesus. If you want belonging, you have to be belonging. When you take the focus off our need to belong and create space for others to belong, we find ourselves surrounded by those who belong to us. 
Because the truth is we're all searching for true belonging. So where do we find this? I think, I think one of the greatest ways this question was answered is in the Heidelberg Catechism from 1563. This is a reform church catechism. If you don't know what a catechism is, a catechism is just a kind of a rote memorization tool to understand certain things. And obviously, you know, within the Roman Catholic Church, that's the language that they use. But this is from 1563, the Protestant Reformation had happened. And, and you know, they're obviously modeling some of their teaching styles and skills from, from the Catholic faith tradition. And so they came up with this catechism. It wasn't accepted until like 1613. But the very first question in the Heidelberg Catechism says this, what is your only comfort in life and death? And here's the answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me just read it again. What is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong not to ourselves, but to God. And through God, to God's people. We belong to one another through Christ. This takes a while. We got this dog, Bo, is her name, from my mom. She got it from a rescue. And this dog, we have another dog. She thinks she owns everything. But Bo was very, when she got to her house, was very, she didn't feel like she belonged. And I don't know what had gone on in her life. It's a long story probably, but she didn't like men. She didn't like closed spaces. She didn't like anything. And um, we like to watch a little TV, have the dogs on our bed. And so Vespa jumps up, no problem. Um, and I, would, I picked up Bo the first time and I put her on her bed and she shot off, like literally, like jumped down, hit the, hit the wood floor, scraped all over, ran out. I went and found her, picked her up, brought her back, put her on the bed, held her there. That's a real fun sense of belonging. She's wiggling, trying to get out, let her go. She ran out. Over about a week, I would bring her a couple times a day and bring her and put her on the bed and sit on the bed with her. And it took a little while and she said. So last night after this debacle at LAX, I'm home, it's past midnight, I'm tired, I'm not happy. It wasn't a great way to lean into the Sabbath. And I lay down on the bed, and man, as soon as I hit the bed, Bo just jumps up. And they're Italian greyhounds, so they don't really understand personal space. So she's right here, like right here looking at me like, okay, you belong here. And I realized she's taken ownership of the bed in a way that when I started trying to create a space of belonging for her last night, this goofy little dog created a space of belonging for me. 
Crosswalk will be a community of belonging because it has to be if it's to reflect God at all. We will be a place of hope, a place of shelter, a place of belonging. And hopefully a place that creates a sense of community that reflects God. But you, you are the ones who make that happen. Because it is not about the structures that we put up or the end statements that we write down. It's about the heart of every single person who attends and who decides this will be my community of belonging and I will create more. So it's up to you to make sure that this statement is not only not a lie, but it is a clarion call, a clarion call for those who need the grace of Jesus in their life. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that at one point you said you are mine so that now I can say the same thing. I can say that you are mine, Lord. Thank you for creating communities of belonging. May we continually seek to express that. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.